Welcome to the See You Next Summer podcast. And today um, we are joined by a very special guest. Well, first of all, let me introduce the Harry to my Peter, uh, Mr. Raul Rodriguez. So do you kill my father? Prepare to die. <gasps> Hi, it's me, Raul, as always. And we have a great guest, a really big friend of ours. He's an author a YouTuber, Twitter, and he has really great hair, our friend Nolan Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I couldn't have asked for a better introduction there. It's so good to be with you guys again, and thank fuck I finally got on this podcast. I've been wanting to come on for ages. Yeah, we've been wanting to get you on for ages, what with time difference and all of us being busy. Hmm. Three three quarters of... uh, of the boys are back. We're just missing one. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> he's busy doing his own thing. And actually, um, you're part of that thing. Uh, um, it's a wonderful podcast. Yeah, we're currently doing pre-code movies on that. Basically, I got really busy in lockdown and we kind of decided, okay, um, I'm going to be on bi-monthly instead of, uh, actually no, bi-weekly instead of once a week because it was starting to like burn me out a little bit and you know me with Morgan. I don't want to. I want to bring a hundred percent to that show every time. So, me coming on less and him doing this mm-hmm. thing with Janine as well. It creates a bit more of a balance to the show, and I, I still love doing it. We're currently doing pre-code movies now, and uh, I. It's it's been a great three years, honestly. Um, when me and Morgan started that idea, I thought like, okay, we'll do this maybe for like a year, and then it will spin off into something else. But it's been going strong and really strong for three years, and it's fucking awesome that's awesome to hear man and we brought you on today for this specific episode Mm -hmm. because you love this movie more than anybody i know today of course we are talking about a perfect sequel spider-man 2 released in 2004 once again starring toby Maguire and kirsten dunce and james franco as well as some new characters. And yeah, uh, how did you guys get introduced to this movie first before we do the whole recap? Oh, uh, well, I mean, this can even go back to when we were friends. Like when we started out being friends, I think that was when the sort of Spider-Man 2 resurgence was happening. So I, I remember a lot of us talking about like, what's the best superhero movie? And even me and Raul hanging out and... when we used to do like pretend movie fights for fun just on these hangouts and we talked about who's the best comic book supervillain raul said you know heath ledger's joker and i went and said you know what alfred molina's doc ock and then after that i went on and i made that video about spider-man 2 when i was still doing video essays before homecoming was coming out and it got a lot of hits and then ever since then i think with like the rise of people like high top films and uh Mauricio from Brown Table. I love all those guys. I would work with them any day. And they love this movie as much as I do. And I love seeing it get the respect that it deserves. Because, you know, when I was a kid and I saw this movie, it was the first time that I kind of put into my mind what a sequel was. And the first time I recognized something from another source I knew, comics, in movies. Like when I saw a guy with four arms coming out his back. I was like grabbing my mom being like, Hey, I know who that is. I know who that is. And then when I saw Spider-Man two, it was like, I think I saw it at the perfect time. I was eight years old and it's been my favorite superhero movie ever since. 
Oh, you guys. I always forget that you guys are super young. I was 15 when this movie came out. Um, and how many um, I still years remember... or centuries or decades? <laughs> you bastard, you need to bring that up. <laughs> That's a running joke since we met like six years ago. <laughs> that, that was... Very old. Well, to be fair, so, I think <laughs> lockdown has aged us all. So, Raul, I'm catching up with you. Yes, finally. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I remember when I got off on the first one, I was like, I was hype. I, but that's the thing. I didn't pay attention as much of like when it's gonna be a sequel of a movie gonna come out. And I remember when I. Like two months before he came out, I already knew about Spider-Man 2 because I remember seeing the posters, but I never saw a trailer. And I was at the theater and with my parents and my sister, and all of a sudden they show the last 40 seconds of the Spider-Man 2 trailer. They only show the last 42 seconds when you see Doc Hawk in the train. And then when you see her, I was like, now I'm gonna finally gonna I'm gonna see the face before you before you I was like, no, I was screaming. And then, then it said, Spider-Man 2, tickets now on sale. And my mother said, Go and buy tickets. <laughs> Your mother had taste. The my, Mexico has the best marketing and <laughs> movie trailer. And so and then when I saw the movie, I I still remember my reactions when I saw it. I always cry in the same scenes when J. Jonah said, finally admits that Spider-Man was a hero and then Spider-Man steals the suit. I cried in that moment. I cried in the moment on the train scene. I cried when Mary Jane and Diana was like, I won't be standing in your doorway. This I, I love this fucking movie. It's still for me. I always bring that as an argument that I'm not a big fan of the Tom Holland Spider-Man because for me, this is my portrayal of Spider-Man. And there's a lot of things that I can bring up of what I don't like Spider-Man now. But then, like, for example, Spider-Verse made me love Spider-Man again because I fell in love with Miles Morales, too. Because it brings that heart of a kid that has to balance everything, like rent, university, a girlfriend, money, family, and his secret identity. And that's the thing that I love about Spider-Man. And Tom Holland doesn't represent any of that. He's just Iron Man Jr. Sorry, cancel me if you want fucking film Twitter. But for me, he's fucking Iron Man Jr. I don't like well, Tom Holland Spider-Man. I can comment on that since arguably I feel like I'm the biggest Spider-Man fan here. So I I, mm-hmm. I don't hate any Spider-Man movies, even the bad ones, because I love Peter mm-hmm. Parker, the character, that much. He means an awful lot to me. He's my all-time favorite character in fiction. And the, the thing I have with Tom Holland's movies that you can compare to this one, I think he's great as Spider-Man. His performance is like really vulnerable and very emotional, and it's kind of cool for me to have like the guy playing Spider-Man now be the same age as me. But I Mm -hmm. do feel where his movies kind of fall in comparison to this one is that lack of balance. It feels so much like his Spider-Man movies are only trying to be one thing, whereas like the Tobey Maguire ones, and even to an extent, the first Andrew Garfield one, there are a lot of things because Peter Parker is a complicated character. He's not, he shouldn't just be Mm -hmm. seen as this adorable kid from Queens who's a superhero. And I think you need every element of his identity to really make the character work. 
And that's something I feel that the Tom Holland movie should improve on. I'm confident that they will improve on it, but you, you know, uh, even if they don't, I'll always have this movie to look back on as like my definitive portrayal of a Spider-Man experience. Not balanced, huh? The irony <laughs> of, of those words. <laughs> yeah, for me, Spider-Man 2 is one of the earliest memories in a movie theater I can remember. I remember seeing it with my friend. Um, I was eight years old and I was obsessed with Toby's Spider-Man. Like I, I, I said it last episode, but I bought the web shooters. I had the action figures. I had the PlayStation games and man, they, they are so good. But now as I'm older, I can recognize a lot of the story beats and a lot of words of dialogue that come come back around like um in this movie it's um you know intelligence is not a it's it's not a gift to be wasted i believe that's what it is it's a privilege that should be shared with all of mankind yeah it it is something like that it's so good yeah because it's just I, I, i mean uh I was a huge fan of this as a kid to the point that when I went swimming, I would put pool noodles around my arms and pretend to be Doc Ock. (laughs) Nice. But like, uh, I I totally hear what you're saying and you're totally right. It's just, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, this is awesome Spider-Man action and there's Doc Ock and he's fighting then. And then as you, I think as you get older, as this film got older and as I got older, I started recognizing a lot more of the qualities that just make this a great film as opposed to just being just a really fun superhero film. It's a lot like the uh, the Donner mm-hmm. Superman movies in that regard for me. Mm. Cool. So, that said, pizza time. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> so knew that was good. starts coming. out with actually um, very similar opening to spider-man one except this time we got these i think they look like alex ross uh norman rockwell paintings recapping the first movie oh. it's really cool with, with the current rumors we it have of spider-man up. i kind of hope that theme makes a return oh For I, sure. I will cry <laughs> yeah so right away this movie establishes with peter being late and he i mean he's getting distracted by a billboard of mary jane because she did a i believe it's a perfume ad i'm not entirely sure but there's a giant billboard of mary Mm -hmm. jane near where he works which is at this pizza place that's run by asif manvi from the daily show and he's trying he's finding his double life as spider-man and peter parker really difficult to maintain and so, um, e- even Asif Manvi is just like, look, you're a good guy, but you're not dependable because mm-hmm. he's always late, which is something that Peter Parker is notorious for. And he, if he doesn't get this delivery of seven deep dish pizzas, by the way, I don't know if they do deep dish in New York. That's a Chicago thing. <laughs> But he's got to go 42 blocks in eight minutes. Even if he knew he was Spider-Man, there is no fucking way that that ever would have happened. He should have just fired him right there. Uh, like, 
and there's there's different takes of that depending on what version you watch so i have the blu-ray that's got like the extended cut and the theatrical cut in the extended cut the asif manvi who's great by the way i mean on i just i remember him now from series of unfortunate events where he's uncle monty and he just says to Mm -hmm. peter in the extended cut hey go but in the theatrical cut i think his delivery of that line is a lot funnier He's just saying like, oh yeah, you gotta go this or your ass is fired. And Peter's just standing there and then he's just out of nowhere. He's like, go! <laughs> it's just... Yes. So there's some, I mean, we I assume we've been talking about alternate cuts of movies on this show this month. So there's something in there's stuff you can find in the extended cut of this movie and the theatrical cut that I think works differently. But for me, I always watch the theatrical cut of Spider-Man 2. Some of the extended fight sequences are cool, but in the theatrical cut, I think you get the best experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we get Peter on his little scooter um, <laughs> going around traffic, but he's almost hit by a, a truck, and then he's just like, screw it, I'm going on foot, and he goes into an alley, and this one dude notices him and he, he thinks that nobody saw him uh, put on the Spider-Man outfit because he's going to go across uh, town as mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And the dude just is like, Spider-Man took that guy's pizza! Which, that was supposed <laughs> to be the original Stan Lee cameo for the movie. Greedy! Yeah, but... Oh, that would have been so good. I, I don't think there's a take of it anywhere, but I, I read that on trivia, and like that would have been fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been fun. There is a Stanley cameo in this movie, but it's it's not one of his strongest. No, it's a very brief. It's, one. it's not as blink and you'll miss it. It's not as uh, brief as where it's literally just one shot in the last movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's you can you can tell it's him. Like the cameo, um, the the arc of the cam Stanley cameos is fantastic. Like how they just keep getting better and better mm-hmm. as these movies go on. I actually really do like the cameo in Spider-Man Three. So do I. But that said, he is tr- trying to deliver these pizzas and he's swinging around the city, and of course, there's the kids with the ball that goes <laughs> in the middle of the street, and then they're just like, "Oh, I'll get it." As this truck that doesn't stop, by the way, <laughs> is just going through, and Spider-Man saves the kids. And he puts the pizza on a balcony, and this one dude is just—he's gonna eat the pizza, but he <laughs> manages to get them all. And he makes the place, and then he goes to the because it's a—I think it's an apartment complex. No, it's kind of like a business kind of building. I—I I, I assumed it was like a business lunch he was doing because if that was all ordered by one yeah. guy, I mean, you—you're gonna want to take a nap after all that pizza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a quick before she was famous on Bones, Emily Deschanel as the receptionist, and of course we get the line "Pizza time!" Yeah, and she just goes, "I'm not paying for those pizzas," and he, he Peter knows that he's screwed, mm. and so he just walks back and gets his ass fired, and of course he's just like, "There's a disturbance or something came up," and then even Asimovi's just like, "Always something's coming up." What is up with you, man? And then after that, I believe he 
visits Aunt May. No, um, wait, the land the next is when he goes with Jay Jonah and he's offering sweet oh, yeah, bottles of dogs. The, the yeah. I mean which what a great intro line for Jonah. Yeah, yeah he gets fired. It's like, I'll, I'll let you oh, guys. God, yeah. Dogs yeah, catching uh, frisbees? Pigeons in the park? A couple of geezers playing chess? <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Um, J.K. Simmons, I, I, I love him as Jonah Jameson so much. And, like, I feel this movie is one of the only portrayals where you see a hint of J. Jonah Jameson being a good man aside being comic relief. I mean, I would love to see the movies mm-hmm. embrace more of who J. Jonah Jameson is as a character, but... He's, he works as funny comic relief for these films. Yeah, I agree. And I I, I love that once again, uh, Robbie is defending Spider-Man mm-hmm. and Peter and or Jonah is just like, come on, um, where's the good stuff? And he has a picture of Spider-Man. And he's just like, it's crap. Make it page one because he knows <laughs> yeah. that. The only reason why anybody buys the bugle is for Spider-Man slander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll give you one fifty for it. Three hundred. That's outrageous. Done. <laughs> Good throwback to the first movie, which it has a couple of those, but it's not so overindulgent with mm-hmm. all of them. Like later in the scene where uh, there's a surprise party for Peter, mm-hmm. who forgets his own birthday. By the way, that just shows how stressed he is trying to maintain this double life. He's taken out the garbage and has a conversation with Mary Jane, very reminiscent of the first movie, mm-hmm. except now it's a different conversation. It's those little throwbacks that I like. There's not many of them, but it's a good way to help tie the two of them together. Like they're one um, cohesive narrative. Mm-hmm. And yes, um, we get uh, Peter. Uh, he, he gets the job where... Um, I think this is when he is told that he has to photograph the the planetarium, or is this later? In the no, movie? this is later. And so one of the other things that I like for Miss Branch is like, boss, your wife is on the phone. She lost her checkbook. Thank you for the good news. <laughs> <laughs> the, the humor in those he... movies are so great. Like they're so organic to the characters. Yes. <laughs> and then the following scene when he gives it $300 and then he gives it to Elizabeth Banks and Elizabeth Banks says, I was like, hey, uh, this, cover, this covers half of the advance that I gave you two weeks ago. So we see that Peter is struggling with money. And so the following scene, we see Peter running to the university and then he that, does that scene. I heard that maybe one of those people that are with that his Toby with the, with the bags is, I think it was Sam Raimi. Yeah, one of the yeah, that is true. And so, yeah, and so after that, we see that he stumbled with Doctor Connors. He was like, "Oh, Doctor Connors, I'm heading into your class." I was like, uh, "Um, Peter, you don't see me here, standing right here. My class is done. You always show up late, and you're always exhausted, and your 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 grades are declining. You're still your paper on fusion is still overdue." Yeah, we'll write it about Dr. Octavius. I was like, uh, just be careful. He's a friend of mine. And the next thing, I think that's the birthday party. Yeah, that's the birthday party. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you can go on. Yeah. I, I love that um, they mentioned Kurt Connors in the last movie. And mm-hmm. if you know who Kurt Connors or Dr. Kurt Connors is in Spider-Man comics, you know that he becomes the lizard who is one of Spider-Man's first enemies. I think he was 
his first yeah, I think he was I'm, I believe he was Amazing Spider-Man 6 was the lizard I think his first like proper yeah, villain he was, he was one of his earliest his first proper villain I think was the chameleon you're right it was mm. the chameleon that's that's why we have you here <laughs> Nolan you, you know you know when Homecoming was coming out uh, I read every issue of the Amazing Spider-Man because I'm a madman. Wow, that's all. Uh, you really are a madman. <laughs> yes, we get a surprise party of Aunt May, Harry, and MJ, mm-hmm. and they're all there for Peter. And it's it's really nice because, um, you know they're they're off to bigger and better stuff. Harry is now the head of Oscorp. MJ is having a pretty okay acting career. And she's in a relationship right now. And it's a healthy relationship, it seems. And, of course, Peter gives that uh, that longing uh, puppy dog stare at MJ. And Harry is just like, um, yeah, by the way, how's your buddy Spider-Man? Because he still harbors resentment and thinking that Spider-Man killed his father. And once again, uh, it's like Peter's trying to brush it off, but... It's clearly just a, it's it's an elephant in the room that hasn't been addressed. But Harry then just goes, "Oh, I'm I'm talking with uh, Doctor Otto Octavius tomorrow," and Peter's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Because I'm writing a paper. So Harry is just like, y- "You want to meet him?" Yeah, that that'd be great, and sets it up. So that's how, um, our hero meets our antagonist for the movie. But before that, we we learned that Aunt May's house is going to be foreclosed. She's been behind on the pay, payments. I think a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that Uncle Ben is no longer there. And we also just get her... She, she's giving money for Peter, but Peter's just like, no, I can't. And he's just, she's just like, oh, no, please, just do it. And she immediately breaks down and is just like, I'm sorry, I just... I miss your uncle so much. And it's been nearly two years, much like the actual continuity of the release of these movies, which I appreciate that. And she just goes, I just wish, or I don't, I don't know what I would do if I found the person responsible. And then we see Peter, of course, Toby McGuire, really good at welling up his eyes with tears and just, portraying sadness and guilt and it's it's the testament to what a good actor they chose Uh, it's just uh i i love that scene too like i mean a lot of people they make this argument about spider-man now that you can't have all the elements of his life because it would distract from the movie too much and then in one literal scene literally one scene featuring a couple lines of dialogue sam raimi just he puts all of the conflict of Spider-Man at the forefront and he just executes it to perfection. It's like, it's like really tight storytelling. And uh, Tobey Maguire's performance, especially in there, I mean, he says a lot with just his eyes. And there's this theory going around that everyone assumes, oh, Spider-Man is this fun, optimistic character who's just cracking jokes all the time and making laughs. But Spider-Man's a deeply pained person and... That is something I wish the Tom Holland movies would show a little more rather than him just being a fun teenager. I mean, 
him being a fun teenager is part of who he is, but I think the why you love Peter Parker is because he struggles a lot and that makes him very relatable to you. I mean, that's why I love him. And to see that part of his identity be kind of being not so much ignored, but not focused on as much as like the other stuff that that kind of makes me sad. Thank you, Nolan, for bringing that up, because that's kind of like part of my argument that I miss about Spider-Man, because like I said in the previous episode, for me, the Spider-Man trilogy, this Raimi trilogy is kind of like a superhero telenovela, because it has a lot of drama. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to bring this up. Yeah, I will always bring it up. And so uh, I also love the way that I mean, she's like, uh, she, she's like, grab, grab this, this bill. It's not that much. Just take it. Like, she just wants to live happy, but forgetting about all of the hurt they have experienced in the last two years. And also, she knows that she's going to struggle even more. And she knows that Peter is struggling too. And I love that emotion in that moment as well as the way that she screams at him to grab that $20 bill. And then for him just to get his fucking heart broken when he gets to his apartment building and then you see Mr. Dakovich is like, rent? Mm-hmm. I only had this 20. Like <laughs> the way he got the 20 so fast. Hi. What and is then high? He's like, Can I spend it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And I, I love... I, I love that moment and also as also as we see that he's kind of like um he's just like wondering I was like what's what's the the deal with him and also we also talk about Mary Jane that that they're talking outside of the house and also Peter says to to Mary Jane that he's gonna go to the play the next day and I really like how Mary Jane also slides I was like please don't disappoint me and I'm like damn <laughs> Or like also when Harry was like, oh, you're taking pictures of your friend. Like he goes from happy to fucking mad so quickly. Uh, I love I love those kind of weird transitions. <laughs> and I should mention this too on Mary Jane, because a lot of people like they say that, oh, she's just kind of being a bitch to Peter and everything. And I don't think that line like saying, don't disappoint me. I think all she really mm-hmm. wants from Peter is for him to be honest with her. Like she, she doesn't care mm-hmm. that he can't make it for whatever, and she knows he's struggling. He sees she's struggling. He's she's not like gaslighting him at all. Literally, it's just a play by play of saying, "Hey, I'm your friend. You can trust me. Why don't you trust me?" And you know, there's mm-hmm. kind of that like inner resentment for her that I I love about this version of Mary Jane and Peter Parker. It's like they're not just love interest to one another they're fully fleshed out characters and their relationship is explored even with all mm-hmm. the ugly details of it feels very real to what like a, a first love is mm-hmm. yeah and i love that peter feels like he needs to bear all the weight of his responsibility mm-hmm. in this movie but really the moral of the lesson is that it's okay to trust others with that it's okay to be honest because if you just hide the truth and just um, focus on your work, that's just gonna, that's gonna hurt all the ones against you. And we see that with Otto Octavius, which actually brings me to my neck to the next scene 
where we get introduced to Dr. Octavius, played by played brilliantly by Alfred Molina. And I believe, Nolan, that you had uh, some trivia about who they were considering oh. to mm-hmm. play this incredible Shakespearean-like performance. Oh, there was role. Chris Cooper was in the running. Robert De Niro was in the running. Uh, David Duchovny from The X-Files. Ed Harris, uh, Sam Neill, and Arnold Schwarzenegger were all considered for Otto Octavius. Uh, Robert De Niro, I could, I'm not sure I could see as Doc Ock. Uh, especially not in that time, because like he was doing Meet the Parents and stuff like that. He was more of a comedic mm-hmm. actor. David Duchovny, I could see. Ed Harris, I could see. Chris Cooper, I could see. But at the end of it, they did pick the right actor for it. And Alfred Molina, I mean, I, I kind of like that they didn't go for a big name actor for this character, because when you see him mm-hmm. as Otto Octavius, he just blends into it. And I'm like, yeah, that's Doc Ock. That is straight up Doc Ock. And I love what you said, because it's something I've always noticed about Doc Ock. In this movie, he's kind of what would happen to Peter if he focused too much on like being Spider-Man. Because Otto is really prideful about his work, and he puts all of his effort into his work. He's still a loving husband and everything, but you can tell his pride and ego are kind of getting in the way of what he wants to do. And mm-hmm. for, for a character, I mean, Doc Ock in the original comics is just... He's a silly mad scientist who creates weapons and has mechanical arms, but this take on Doc Ock, it was just... It's the reason why I write villains the way I do, because he doesn't treat Doc Ock as this menacing, evil scientist. He's just a good person who bad shit happened to, and you see the humanity of him so much with Alfred Molina's performance. Yeah, I agree, and... Yeah, Harry once is just like, Nobel Prize, Otto. I'll see you in Sweden. And I was just like, um, actually, Harry, it's uh, it's in Oslo, which is Norway. So <laughs> you're wrong there. But we also learned in this scene that Octavius is also Peter's idol, who he looked up to. And Peter is a big science nerd and really smart. I love that... Um, Octavius is just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're Parker. You're Connor's kid. He says you're brilliant, but that you're lazy. And that intelligence is not a privilege, young man. It's a gift. And that we have to use that gift for the betterment of mankind. Mm-hmm. And then he explains what this whole experiment that Oscorp is funding is for. And what it is, is that he is going to create essentially a mini sun so that we can harness renewable energy and do it cheaply and cleanly which that's a really awesome goal he's not doing it for greed or money he's just mm-hmm. doing it because he he wants to use his science for again the betterment of the world and i love that he lets pig peter figure out how he's gonna do it as well because he wants to i, I think that he just wants to see how smart this kid really is mm-hmm. And then they have great conversation to the point where he invites him over to his house to meet his wife and they have some coffee and dinner. And it's a really nice, quiet scene. And it's it feels real. Mm-hmm. And we get to see his wife played by Mother Gothel herself, Donna Murphy, which I thought that was pretty cool. For such a small role, she really <laughs> has a big impact in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially on Otto's character. And we see 
I believe you touched upon this on your video essay, Otto's pride. And Peter is like, oh, but what if you even what if you had any chance of miscalculating? He's just like, I did all the calculations. Now, are we just going to continue? And Peter's just like, yeah, okay. But yes, we see that uh, that stubborn pride mm-hmm. and how that's going to bite him in the ass. <laughs> but then we also um, get some good love advice from uh, Doc Ock. And he's just like, reader poetry. <laughs> never fail and how he met his wife and how he was lucky and how he really does care and how that he is a good man mm-hmm. inside much like norman osborne in the last movie but he's a better man than norman osborne because norman was very self-centered towards, and cool. yeah self-centered and cold towards harry his actual son and loving towards peter but here otto is very much just a good man that has his flaws um define him unfortunately and it changes him and after this raul you want to take it not yeah and also i really like um also like little things so like it makes this thing this scene a little more bigger like the way that Otto says about her her wife rose i was like i remember that we met in university yeah, I was studying science. She was studying. She was studying literature. I was trying to explain her the theory of relativity. She was trying to explain me T.S. Eliot. I still don't understand him. I still understand T.S. Eliot. But they also sneak in to. They gave him a tip that maybe the best way to impress a secret love is through pro pro poetry. It's also the following day. This is a ton. I think that I like about tiny details. We see Peter at the washing at the at the laundry shop, and he mixes up his spider suit with his whites, and all of his whites are not blue and and pink. I, I like those tiny details. I like. I was like, he's bad trying to do so many things, and just he just forgot to separate that tiny detail, and now his clothes are screwed up. I mean, no that one's gonna to see next, his underwear. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and so, but it leads to the next scene when he's like getting ready for the play, and I love the way that he opens his uh his like closet, and he only has the spider suit and a nice suit, <laughs> like showing how poor he is. I was like, I really like that those tiny details, and he's getting ready, and he's on his scooter, but then um, um I think a that car was his full of uh, suit as well. I that would be a, that's a good detail. And so we see that he's getting hit by some robbers and he does kind of like a flip. And then you see two kids. I was like, how do you do that? Uh, just work out. Um, eat your vegetables. <gasps> That's what my mama always say. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. actually believe and that. They destroy- <laughs> yes. And. I also love another scene that is super quick that we see one of the cop cars flipping and then Spider-Man stops it at midair and we see this one. She's like, it's a web. Go, Spidey, go. And the way the transitions of Spider-Man sliding through that truck, that the truck is moving. It's one of my favorite, like, Spidey shots, like, when he snucks in. Oh, and, and then he stops the robbers. And I love that he's driving in the car. And then a cop is like, hey, you have to park in someone else. I'm going to tow it. I don't care. It's not my fucking car. <laughs> that Peter was driving the stolen car. 
And then we see another great cameo, Bruce Campbell as the usher. <laughs> it's the best Bruce Campbell cameo in the whole trilogy for me. Yes, especially for a thing that I never noticed until now. Uh, he's like, uh, um, shoes. He did. Peter takes his shoes. Uh, your tie. Oh, yeah. Can I help you? <laughs> oh, yeah, I cannot come see the show. I was like, uh, uh, no one is going to be seated after after the, the doors are closed. It maintains the illusion. The way that he said illusion, and I'm like, mm, Mysterio Easter egg? <laughs> I think that was a Mysterio Easter egg. Kind of funny because, uh, I mean, another bit of trivia here, which is just, I think, is kind of mind-blowing. Jake Gyllenhaal was supposed to replace Tobey Maguire when they were filming this movie because he hurt his back. And then Jake Gyllenhaal, as we know, went on to be Mysterio. I just think that's really funny. Hurt yeah. his back, you say. <laughs> hmm. It's like poetry, it rhymes. Yes. <laughs> if you know what scene I'm talking about, I do. then you know how funny that is. But yes, Peter, of course, misses MJ's show. And he is so ashamed that he watches from a distance like Batman. And he sees her new boyfriend who we will learn later is actually John Jameson, his boss's son. <laughs> and he is the James Marsden of this movie. He definitely the fact is. that he is not James Marsden is kind of incredible. It's just, but yes, he doesn't seem MJ like a bad guy you. either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's nice and supportive and all that. Mm-hmm. And she looks over at the stoop. He was standing near and of course, he disappears, much like Batman. Didn't in that moment also when he's sitting down seeing MJ, you see the the Asian woman like Spider Man. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> the, the Chinese lady on the violin. Yes, is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think it's better than the, uh, the the guitar guy in the first one. Uh, hey, Luca! Woo! He calls the Spider Man. <laughs> Was was that guy the dude from Nickelback? I keep wondering that. Ooh. I mean, he, he looks I a bit like Chad Kroger. So. Makes sense because he did the he did the song at the end of the first movie. Mm-hmm. And they say that a hero is famous. Yeah, there's there's no Nickelback so song at the end of this movie though. <laughs> yeah, it's not as good. But um, then I believe this is the next day where we get to see the demonstration of the fusion experiment. But we also saw before this, we also saw the first time that Spider-Man, his webbing is failing. And oh, he's yes. In the elevator. Right. I think it is. That is, I'm, I'm... that is the moment where I feel, as a kid, I started to understand Peter a bit more because... I mean, I don't know what Sam Raimi's saying with the whole him losing his powers thing. I think it could be like a, a sign of depression or some shit. Like where you feel like everything's mm-hmm. weighing on you so much that you can't perform basic tasks. And I like that idea. But uh, this is another interesting tidbit. So in the Spider-Man 2 game, obviously he doesn't lose mm-hmm. any of his powers because that would make the game unplayable. So they replaced that with a scene of, uh, well, it's not really, it's a plot line of Black Cat, who's trying to convince him to give up being Peter Parker and just be Spider-Man. 
and I think because he didn't want mm-hmm. to include too many characters, uh, he replaces it with the whole losing his powers thing. Which I think works better for the movie, mm. in all honesty. Because if you have Black Cat in this movie, as well as everything going on with Doc Ock, it might feel a bit too crowded. Mm-hmm. A mistake that they will never make. Who? <laughs> 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 yes. Um, then we get the experiment demonstration. Mm-hmm. And another freaking uh small role from somebody i noticed was uh daniel day kim or Jin from lost Mm -hmm. as one of the scientists like one of the assistants and then we also get introduced to the doc ock arms which he created himself and he created them so that he could get close to the fusion because if he did it with his actual hands they would burn to a crisp Mm -hmm. and i love that somebody pointed out uh, yeah, if this AI is as smart as you say it is, how do you know that it won't take control of you? And he points that out and he's like, yes, that's why I made this inhib- inhibitor chip. And just mm-hmm. the whole putting on the arm scene is done very beautifully. Like at first it looks like he's not going to raise the arms up, but then it does mm-hmm. when he thinks about it. And then like when the needles are going into his vertebrae, I was all, I'm always just like, Ugh. it's. <laughs> It's so, it, it's it's beautiful. It, and the, the score that plays in that scene is awesome. Like, it could easily look silly, but the way that's just delivered and shot is just amazing. Like, that shot of the arms coming up from his back with the score just kind of swelling mm-hmm. and everything. That's one of my favorite shots in the whole trilogy. And obviously, they did use that for a lot of, like, the trailers for Spider-Man 2. You saw the Auk arms coming up back. Mm-hmm. It yeah, is a great they, shot. They start the experiment, and then at first, it seems like it's working, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. He even ha- has, he's like saying to himself, the power of the sun in the palm of my hands. And then I just went to myself, look out, there's the anvil of irony about to happen. <laughs> and, there's and everything that's metal starts sucking it in and i'm just like what is magneto in this movie all of a sudden (laughs) no it's this thing that is literally powered it 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 sucks up all the metal and it's it's essentially a giant sun magnet Mm -hmm. but if they couldn't contain it then it would just suck up everything to the point where then i think it would just build up enough energy and explode and they use this little tiny, like, I think they say like five ounces of tritium, mm-hmm. which is not an actual element. Once again, Marvel with their <laughs> elements. But that just even this little bit is very, very powerful, which I like that that'll pay off later when he does the experiment again. But we see that throughout this experiment, we see warning signs, but Otto... And his pride, once again, are blinded to that. And that unfortunately costs him his wife, his sanity, because the arms get fused to his body. And it, um, it loses his credibility and everything. And I love that Harry at one point is just like, I funded this. This is mine. And like he saw Peter run off. So to him, Peter bailed on him. But Spider-Man comes and saves him. And he just goes... This isn't over between us. <laughs> and afterwards, um, this one Oscorp exec, when Harry is just like, I'm ruined. 
And he goes just like, I have nothing now. Only Spider-Man. And he goes, sir, Spider-Man saved you. He humiliated me by touching me. <laughs> I mean, that, and also that scene's just a really cool Spider-Man action scene. There's like, you get a, a hint of how powerful those arms are with Doc Ock. So it's going to pay off later with like the later fights he has with Doc Ock. And I, I believe after that, then you get to probably the best scene in the movie. And I can see Raul getting very excited at the possible mention of it, where Sam Raimi oh, just yeah, goes they're... full evil dead in the hospital yeah. scene. <laughs> Fuck me, that scene is terrifying. No, that fucking hospital scene is fucking gorgeous. It's fucking amazing. Like, you see... The woman getting, like, you see that the guy is almost about to take up the arms and then the arms wake up. And then you see the woman getting dragged and then she's like, ah, with the fucking nails on the floor. And then you see all of the people getting dropped and grabbed from all of the people around. You see this guy, like, grabbed by his face. And then this guy grabs a chainsaw exactly like Bruce Campbell. And he's like, ah, and then he gets killed by all the forearms. And I love that scene, but also another scene that for me is iconic, and I didn't knew that that was the actress that, that portrayed Mother Gato, but I love the fucking scene of how she dies. The way that you see the glass breaking, and she sees herself screaming as the, the eye is coming to her eye. I fucking love that shot. That it's is one of my favorite shots in like shot. movies. And, mm-hmm. and, and pretty horrifying, yeah, it, honestly. Like, uh, I love. Oh, go on. Sorry. Oh no, that's uh, that's all right. I was just gonna mm-hmm. say, I love how the arms they move around like big ass snakes. Mm-hmm. Like they're just going around, they're grabbing people, and they're just slamming them against everything. And it's there's not a drop of blood, but it still works and shows just how well of a horror director Sam Raimi is. And one of the most iconic no's. No! And even the arm <laughs> Unironically inspiring Darth Vader in Revenge of the Sith a year later. Later. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, also, another scene that we skipped, we see we saw Peter talking on the phone with Mary Jane, and he's leaving a voicemail, and he's saying that he got late to the, to the play. And he said, I was like, it's because there was a particular reason why I was late. And then it says, I was like, you need to put out more, 25 more cents to continue for five more minutes. He's like, Damon. And then the MJ is like, he's like, with the, with the disappointment, she's like, oh. like she was waiting for Peter to give a reason on the voicemail. And the way that he said, was like, I am Spider-Man. If I can tell you that I love you, but if someone finds out about me and you, you could be in danger, and I love that he's like he doesn't care in that moment. There could be a random person right there in the university trying to listen, but I also love that dramatic moment in that in that quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also uh, we forgot to mention that one little funny scene of him going down the um, when he loses his webbing and he goes uh, he has to take the elevator mm-hmm. down, and this one random guy is just like. Hey, nice Spidey outfit. Uh, where'd you get it? Oh, I made it. Oh, nice. Looks uncomfortable. 
Yeah, it rides on the crotch a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not needed at all, but it's really funny. Yeah, I don't know, I, but I love that humor. Wasn't he that guy that in the never wasn't like in a reality show or something? Probably, maybe. Yeah, and also another joke that I like from Alfred Molina before the transformation, the the explosion was like, uh, oh, also, uh, we found uh, a big roll of twenty dollar bills in a rubber band. But we have the band. We only have the band. <laughs> we only have the rubber band. <laughs> I still don't get that joke. But I think, I, I think I, that joke's I, I, kind I, of like uh, he's giving the impression that if he's found the money, he would just keep it for himself and give the rubber band back. Mm-hmm. Oh. It, 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 it's but a dad joke. Oh, my God. It, it, I'm, I'm so stupid. <laughs> and you're now the I, expert on dad jokes, Billy. Uh, I should know these things. I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself. Yeah. But yes. We we also see just um, Otto is just disoriented mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what to do. But these arms just take him away to this awesome abandoned like house in the middle of um in the middle of the or. Uh, on the river, fitting mm-hmm. since his name is Doctor Octopus, city, which is convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is when uh, J. Jonah Jameson, the name, comes up with the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we get a uh, Hoffman played by we didn't mention this last episode, but Ted Raimi, the mm-hmm. director's brother, who he has cast before. It's like Ron Howard always casting Clint Howard in the movies, mm-hmm. but uh, he's just like we gotta come up with a name for this guy. Dr. Octopus, it's crap. The Science Squid, also crap. Dr. Strange, pretty good. It's taken. The irony of that. Okay, I got it. Dr. Octopus. Call him Doc Ock. What are you you looking for, a raise? Get out. (laughs) Speaking of that, and then I think this is when uh, Parker comes in. And he has to be the photographer at the planetarium where yes. his son is going to be presented with an award. My son, the astronaut. Yeah. And also, sir, can I get an advance on that? He's like... <laughs> 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 you serious? Yeah. Serious? There is a funny line in that scene, too, that I really love. He's like, he toasts to Peter and he's like, hey, what do you know about high society? Yeah, don't answer that. My society photographer got hit in the head by a polo ball. You're all I got. it's really just eerie how perfect jk simmons is in this role Mm -hmm. like from the comic books not just his look but how he acts now all i can picture is jk simmons voice just the the mannerisms of his voice and i believe Mm -hmm. that stan lee said that he based it on himself because he was a hard ass that would always be like we need to get this by this deadline (laughs) and shit and it makes a lot of sense when you think about it with like the graying hair and the mustache. Mm, uh, nice. Yeah, I, I love J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. The problem we see we see uh um Afro Molina with with the arms and the, he notices that the chip is already destroyed. And as he's noticing that he's hearing voices in his head, and I was like, oh, we need to rebuild it, rebuild. And then the arms was like uh, the way that they showed the arms without even hearing a voice. It was like, uh, come on, like, 
do it. And it was like, and he's like, the real crime will be not to finish what we started. And then we slide into the bank scene where we see, for me, he always will be the guy from the soup, but he's Joe McHale. From Community. And so yeah. we see Joe McHale, that he, yeah, from Community. And so he denies uh, Anne May and, and Peter. They, they denied a bank loan. And so, and they're like, well, I love when I'm just like, at least we can, we can get the toaster. No, you have to make a deposit $300 or more. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I, and then the following, and then we exactly at that moment, we see that Dr. Octopus uh, breaking the van vault. And as he throws the vault away and it divides and May and Peter, and then Peter running away, and then Joe McKellen, and he's like, wow, your your nephew's a real hero. <laughs> uh, and then as we see, uh, we see, uh, we see Spider-Man, and then we see Dr. Octopus, like, throwing some coins, and, and I love his quibbles, like, oh, he's your change! <laughs> Which, I mean, the coins weigh a lot. That must have been a hard-ass hit that he got. Yes. And then as also yeah. we see a gold coin rolling with Joe Michael. He was trying to like slide one in that man was like <laughs> he's like no. <laughs> yeah, Aunt May beats up uh Joe McHale twice because she also kicks him under the desk. Yes. Which I thought was really funny. And she also um but she gets taken hostage because Peter, his webbing isn't working. He can't get it up when it needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if if I'm using a, uh, I'd have thought you were a bit young for analogy, the old Viagra, but... Billy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not for me. I just said Peter, and he's like what forty in this movie. I mean, <laughs> I know he looks like a teenager, and it works, but he, mm-hmm. he was he's much older than actual Peter Parker would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yes, um, Doc Ock takes. Aunt May as a hostage because you know being old and a helpless old lady just taking a hostage just makes sense. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want anybody to be followed, and the reason why he's stealing money is because he needs to fund his experiments mm-hmm. and get the necessary equipment because they're going to make it bigger. <laughs> and um, once again, we get the awesome sh- um, uh, action scenes, and I love just the close. Uh, hand-to-hand combat and how it's shot often they're hanging off the side of a building or on the side like spider-man he's um he's standing on the side of it and doc ock is as well and it works because he has the arms to support him and he, he doesn't have eight arms like J- uh jonah jameson said but mm-hmm. it really does work and i love that aunt may luckily she had that umbrella out even though it was a clear day and <laughs> she looks like a 90 year old grandmother but that's beside the point uh, the point is that peter is clearly outmatched and uh, octavius sees that he will always help out the people in need mm-hmm. first before him so he uses that to his advantage and she um he flings him across a building and he's going to use his webs to like super catapult himself over there but he's literally gonna stab him mm-hmm. but Aunt May hits him right in the face and it breaks his glasses mm-hmm. and it works so 
go Aunt May. Props to Rosemary like, Harris, honestly, because she did that stunt herself. Really yeah, cool. Like, oh, wait, I didn't actually know that. Oh. That's so cool. And yeah, she goes, shame on you. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, once again, much like Mary Jane in the first one, is falling down the side of a building, mm-hmm. and he dives, and he saves her, and they swing across, and then Aunt May now... She had established earlier that she doesn't really like Spider-Man or care, but now that he saved her life, everyone loves Mm Spider-Man. And I love that we see that the public is very much on his side. And there's even girls that are just like, save me. (laughs) And he's just swinging around the city going, woohoo! I love that scene that, you know, just when he falls to catch her and the music that kind of swells up as he does, that to me felt that feels like classic superhero stuff, like Richard Donner era Superman. Like that reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of like Superman saving Lois from the helicopter. And you can see Sam Raimi is clearly, I I think for his time, he was essentially like the modern day Richard Donner. And now Patty Jenkins is that. Mm. That's, a, that's a really good analogy. And also, oh, give me a second. Oh, thank you. I'm keeping this in by the way. I'm okay. not I'm not also Peter not. just saying like oh yeah we sure showed him. What do you mean we? Oh yeah. <laughs> Aunt May with the sass. Yeah, also I really love an- another scene when we uh he's uh that director was just grabbing uh, Aunt May was like uh, hang her over, of course. And then he he leaves uh he left Aunt May to drop he's like oh butterfingers <laughs> Butterfingers. <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't become a meme, honestly. Also, like, Aunt May is in an that old moment, woman. When we see that amount of stress could have killed her. Yes! Ooh. <laughs> Finish it! Finish it! <laughs> Robbie, <Wong. laughs> she, She's probably got a tougher skin thanks to the Green Goblin it. attack. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And then we cut to a party which is at the planetarium. I believe this is um, when we learn that Mary Jane's boyfriend is actually J. Jonah Jameson's son. Mm -hmm. Peter's just trying to get one of those like mini uh, um, finger food that they have on the trays at fancy parties. But everybody always keeps taking it and everyone's just like using Peter and Harry's drunk because he um, spent a good chunk of investment in the Oz, mm-hmm. in the octavius experiment and he's just like just give me more and he thinks just like oh yeah my best friend bailed on me and steal my girl at one point, yeah he stole my girl you're friends with spider-man who you know killed my father and you flaked on me when i was in danger so yeah i hate you and he slaps him in the face twice mm-hmm. And of course, J. Jonah Jameson is just like, oh, Parker, what are you, deaf? I called you. Take a picture of me with this. Take a picture of me with uh, this person. And one with the mayor and his girlfriend. Everybody stops. I meant wife. Because it's clearly a younger woman with a much older man. (laughs) And then, yes, we get the slow-mo with Peter. He's about to clap because they're introducing John Jameson. But he sees Mary Jane is with him, and he's just like, 
Oh, this guy. And then we get a talk with Mary Jane and Peter. And Mary Jane is actually very justified with her actions. Mm -hmm. She goes, look, um, John, he actually shows up and supports me. He's seen my play five times. Harry's seen it twice. Aunt May has seen it. My sick mother Mm -hmm. managed to see it. And even my father, who's a piece of shit, he ended up going backstage asking me for cash, but he still saw it. But my best friend Peter, oh, yeah, he's nowhere. He means nothing to me. He means nothing to me. He's nothing. You're nothing. And she just walks off, and he uh, he doesn't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. You know, except there's a disturbance. Like, how many times are you going to use that excuse, Peter? Uh, all right, I'll, I'll let you take it over from here. You're... you're doing a much better job than i am <laughs> nah you're doing fine billy and also it's also like uh this whole thing about the party also especially how james franco is so damn drunk he's like uh, you didn't support me and the way that he slaps him like this is pretty telenovela too but also i like the way that mj is focusing that she's like uh you're why are you not supporting me why you're still Holding on and doesn't say that that you say that you love me. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you think, Nolan, of of this drama here in this scene about Uh, Mary Jane and Peter? It's really good, and I kind of like that it ends with like Jameson forcing Peter to take a picture of what he's just essentially lost. That that is the ultimate Parker luck. For me, you know, Parker Luck is like a thing in the comics, and this movie mm-hmm. shows it brilliantly. Now, you're totally right, especially talking about his luck. He's on a fancy party. He just got slapped, not even a drink, not even a tiny hot dog, not even some caviar, nothing. He got nothing from that from that party. I can speak and then on the following... this fucking... I've worked at those fancy parties. All the food they uh-huh. serve... You could buy at the supermarket. It's not as fancy as they make it out to seem. (laughs) Uh, I I hate rich people parties anyway because I'm a fucking punk like that. So take with that what you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the following we see, we see Peter just, uh, he's just web-slinging through the city, but then he, he, again, doesn't get, get any webbing. And then he drops into the floor and he's like, what is happening to me? And as he's trying to also talk about another scene, mimicking the first one, as he's also going through a wall, trying to wall crawl like in the first one, but the beat of the music is different. And then he goes back into the floor and also he's noticing that his eyesight is getting weaker as he's getting his natural eyesight like before he got the spider bite. And he's reading on the Daily Bugle that of course, uh, J. Jonah Jameson giving slander that Spider Man and Doc Ock stole uh, in the bank working as a team. Yeah, and I really love this aspect of the movie on a rewatch. I love that the, con- the biggest conflict in this movie is an inner conflict about whether Peter's doing the right thing or not. Mm-hmm. There's even a sort of like a-, a weird Uncle Ben cameo. I never, I think he was like dreaming it or something. Or it was like in his head. I didn't really care. Mm-hmm. I was just really happy to see Cliff Robertson be Uncle Ben again. And he goes, no, Uncle Ben, I'm sorry, but I got to live a life outside of this. 
I mean, after hearing the, you know, great power comes great responsibility line, Mm -hmm. which very much like he's telling his uncle spiritually in his mind anyway, that I, I can't do this anymore. It's ruining my life. I got to work on me, which you can actually commend Peter on that. He's taking Mm -hmm. control of his life. He's finally going to classes and we he also throws the suit away because he in that same alley that he dropped into Mm -hmm. and it's reminiscent of a cover of spider-man no more yep i believe that is what the arc Mm -hmm. is an amazing spider-man number 50 peter parker gives up being spider-man and there's this very famous panel of the spider suit in this trash can Mm -hmm. and peter walking away it's so cool to see that Sam Raimi, much like Zack Snyder, is very good with visual directing as well as just great storytelling. And then we get raindrops are falling on my head playing with Peter taking control of his life. Eating mm-hmm. vegan hot dogs, having a good time. Yeah, eating that hot dog. Fixing his scooter. Well in- yeah, fixing the scooter. Which, um, that was great. That even then, there's a bit of that Parker luck where the wheel comes out of the window and it's the dude's car that's quintessential new york with the guy going like hey what gives <laughs> he's doing well in school and connor's is just like hey keep it up mm-hmm. you know you're doing good he makes a play of mary jane's but he didn't tell her that and she, it causes her to uh forget her line yeah yeah which i like that and he's just like hey you just want to go get some uh get some takeout or something just trying to rekindle that romance, but she's just like, Peter, it's too late, mm-hmm. right? We're getting married. And um, she, again, she's still justifiably kind of angry at him. Mm-hmm. And Peter, once again, that longing stare, even though she's like five feet in front of him in a taxi cab. But it causes him to rethink a lot of stuff because... In this montage as well, we see that people are getting hurt and he's not doing anything about it. And he feels awful because mm-hmm. Peter Parker is a good person and he wants to help out people. Mm-hmm. And we see a guy getting beat up in an alley, I believe, during this montage. And then I think this is when he saves the kid from the fire. Which is uh, an amazing scene, honestly. Like, yeah. I- as a kid, I didn't really appreciate that scene as much as I should have, but then my mom kind of, she pointed to me, he's like, oh, see, look, he's a hero even when he's not being Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, the fact that yes. the kid helps him, too, is just really heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get that one firefighter's just like, yeah, and some guy on the fourth floor didn't make it. I was, like, right after the one mustache uh, firefighter that reminded me of my dad. Um... <laughs> It was just like, you got some guts, kid. Because, yeah, he went to a burning building to save a kid, even Mm -hmm. without the suit. That just shows that he's a good person. Mm -hmm. And then I think this is when um, Peter and May visit Uncle Ben's grave. Yes. Because it's coming up on the anniversary. And this is actually one of the scenes that is the most powerful for me in all Spider-Man, where he confesses his involvement in Uncle Ben's death and how he's pretty much responsible Mm -hmm. for it and he tells her the events that happened 
and it's really good acting by Tobey Maguire. And it's just this silence, this stunned silence. And May just leaves the room and he's there pondering whether or not he did the right thing. Mm-hmm. But that he was honest. He, he had to get it off his chest and it helps May have a sense of closure mm-hmm. about Ben's death, knowing that it's responsible. Uh, spoiler alert for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm expecting something like that with uh, Bucky and uh, that one guy, because he, again, spoiler alert, killed his son, but he hasn't told him yet. It's it's so good. Yeah, another another prop to Rosemary Harris in that scene. Just mm-hmm. the way she doesn't even say anything. It's just sort of shock silence. It's almost like she's experiencing the news all over again. Yes. And like that, tra- all that trauma kind of coming to the surface. But you know, thankfully, it doesn't overdram. I think this is the moment where I'm sorry to dish on your telenovelas, Raúl. But if that moment was yes. overdramatized, I don't think it would work as much. No, and you're totally, you're totally have a point. And also, that's the thing. There's a lot of telenovelas that I like that they're like trashy, like everybody knows about. But there's some classic telenovelas that I saw from the 70s and 80s that it's like you're watching a play it's not or not all of telenovelas are the same but also like you said about that scene it's a great drama scene especially the way that she that it was like she the peter's like i always wanted to tell you and she's like she slides her hand back and without saying nothing she's like she feels like disappointed in him and the way that Toy Maguire without saying anything is also he's sad, but he's also kind of like he finally said it, the thing that he was holding for two years. That he wanted to say about what happened that day with the robber and the and especially that happened in the car, especially how the basis of Peter Parker is because everything that happened that night. Especially because it's talking about the great power and responsibility and being glad by the powers that you have. And also goes back to what they're saying in this version of the car scene. Because he's saying, I want I want a thing for my own. I want to live a better life. I, I cannot be Spider-Man no more because he cannot balance everything again. He cannot deal with all of those things. So that's why he gives up being Spider-Man. Uh-huh. And you even see like yeah, in the fire station, essentially thing, just like uh, when he says like that guy who almost made it out. I feel he's kind of feeling like if I had my costume, I could have saved that guy. So it's kind of sort of a retread of yeah, Uncle Ben the, thing. That's the thing I love is that yeah, in this movie it shows that much like Spider Verse, you can't always save everybody. Like even. Even if you mean well and you try, you just you can't. That's just life. You can't always succeed in getting every single person. But it's trying to do the, or it's how do I describe it? I'm at a once again I'm at a loss for words. But it is doing the most with what you have, and Peter clearly wasn't doing that. He was just shuffling off his responsibilities because he didn't want to deal with that burden and he just couldn't find that balance. But I love that. I'm not, um, like we get the scene with, uh, Octavius rebuilding the, um, 
the reactor in the middle of that abandoned warehouse or whatever. And then we get, I believe, the best scene in the movie with Aunt May and her talk to Peter afterwards. I think I think this is what it is. Well, also you need. We also need to talk about a little scene when we see uh, Jay Jonah getting the the suit from the trash. And oh they, yeah, he's so happy. Yeah, and then he's so happy. I was like, the power of the press finally came through. I won. I was like, uh, I will give you fifty bucks for it. I can get that more on eBay. Okay, I will get you hundred bucks and a bottle of soap. And. <laughs> Also, this isn't the extended cut because I also own the extended cut of Spider-Man 2. I love that scene when you see J. Jonah Jameson using the Spider-Man suit with a cigar. He's like, <laughs> like whistling in two. That nice, is the best nice. scene of the extended cut. Yes. I, I don't even think that was in the script. I think that was just J.K. Simmons playing with the suit. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, the, and then the following scene is when we see Dr. Octavius with Harry. Oh, yeah. And that's um, another scene that's played like a horror film. Like, just hearing the sort of mm -hmm. uh, sounds of the arms coming up, and then a nice tentacle <clears throat> jump scare. Yeah, I love that every thud, there's a pan shot. Yes. And then it's another pan shot. And then it's another one. And then it's... Uh, another thing Sam Raimi's good at is close-ups. Mm -hmm. Getting people's reactions on close-ups. And then uh, he has a, a a glass of scotch, mm -hmm. but before it drops, one of the arms catches it. Yes. Shows how good these arms are, and that he it actually uh, Otto takes a drink of the scotch and is just like, "I want the tritium. Where where do you have it?" And he's just like, "All right, Otto, I'll make you a deal. You get me Spider Man a lot. Um, you bring him here mm -hmm. alive." And then I'll give you all the tritium that you want. Because at this point, uh, Octavius bankrupted Oscorp. Mm -hmm. And he, once again, is he is obsessed with killing Spider-Man. It is his Moby Dick. Mm -hmm. Harry's Captain Ahab and Spider-Man is his Moby Dick. Which, unfortunately, will lead to other things. But <laughs> he does that. And then... This is when he has the coffee date with Mary Jane, I believe. No, um, the following scene is when we go after that. Also, Harry says, I was like, uh, uh, that third episode, I was like, how can I find him? I was like, uh, Peter Parker, he takes photos of him. I was like, uh, and also, as he, you see that Octavius like leaving the building, he's like, oh, also, Harry's like, don't kill it, don't, don't hurt Peter. <laughs> I was like, I don't think he hurt you. <laughs> I think I, don't think I, I, don't think, I think they tried to sort of redo that with Harry and Electro in the Amazing Spider-Man Two. It was a very similar thing, like with Dane DeHaan's Harry telling, "Like, oh yeah, you want Spider-Man? I'll give him to you." So it's kind of a nice role mm -hmm. reversal there. But of course, you know oh, that movie. Yeah, that, that's a really good comparison. And but then that, the that movie doesn't scene. do it as much. No, the following scene is when we see the fire when Peter saves the little girl. And then the following scene is when we see Peter going to the house and uh, Aunt May, she says, like, uh, they told me to, like, um, that I could stay more weeks here, but I don't want to. And she's moving some boxes because she's, like, uh, getting the house ready. Oh, yes. And this is the best scene in the movie because May gives Peter a hug and she says, you took an awful big gamble by telling me the truth, mm -hmm. but I'm glad that you did. 
and I love you. And I, you know, I'm starting to get a little teary eyed when thinking about that. And then she goes, she lays out the message of the movie, mm-hmm. which is, I believe that there is a hero in all of us, but that in order to do what's right, we have to remain steady, even if that means sacrificing what we want the most, mm-hmm. even our dreams, applying perfectly the Peter situation that I, I loved also when he was contemplating quitting and quitting, he goes, should I not have what I want? Mm-hmm. Like what? Um, should I not get a life that I want? Because this is all he ever wants is just a normal life and to just be a good person. But the burden of his responsibility prevents him from doing that. Mm-hmm. And I love that at that moment. She, she's also like, oh, yeah, this is the kid, um, a kid in the neighborhood. Um, he guess what he wants to be when he wants to grow up. He wants to be Spider-Man. Because he helps inspire people to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And the kid is like, hey, when's he coming back? And Peter's like, I don't know. He's just like, well, um, he he needs to come back. Because it shows just how much the city looks up to him at this point. And Peter never really realized that, mm-hmm. how much his work um, has been appreciated and noticed by everybody. But again, once again, Rosemary Harris great great acting mm-hmm. and i love her so much i i wish the current mm-hmm. movies would take advantage of heartfelt scenes between aunt may and peter you get one of them in homecoming mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it you get these quiet um moments mm-hmm. between peter and harry peter and mj peter and aunt may especially in this trilogy and that um it's done so well because the dialogue is so good and the acting is so good that really, if the movie didn't have those, it would not work as well. No. And that kid in that scene, like I I thought about this, but I mean, that kid's a fine child actor for what he is. He kind of, for me watching the movie, I kind of saw myself as that kid. How funny would it have been if that kid actor at that time was played by Tom Holland? (laughs) <laughs> you'll never guess who he wants to be when he grows up <laughs> that would have been a little funny especially like the way also going back with what May said I was like huh, he sees a hero saving he sees a hero when he knows he sees one I was like like saving people like oh like a woman like me they're brave courageous self-sacrificing setting examples for all of us everybody loves a hero Years later, they will tell stories of how people holding the rain hold a second longer to see them. As I believe there's a hero in all of us that keep us honest, makes us noble, give us the strength and allow us to die with pride or give us a thing that we want the most, even our dreams. And in that moment, for me, in my head canon, for me, May is technically telling Peter that she knows that he's Spider-Man. I feel she does. Oh, yeah, and... And the word pride, once again. And that does come into play later. But then I... This is when we get the coffee scene. Because um, M, it, it happens because MJ is sending out wedding invitations with her fiancé. And then she goes, hey, just lean back a little bit. Because he's on the couch. 
and he's just like, oh, you're not going to invite uh, Parker, your photography friend? And she just goes, nah, he's just a big jerk. And he just goes, is he, though? I mean, he, he, can, t- he can tell that, she, that he means a lot to her. And then she just goes, lean back, and tries to do the upside-down kiss as well. Because she realizes that she doesn't love him. And then going back to the first movie... At the end, when she kissed uh, Peter at in the cemetery, when you saw it was a little moment when she's she's touching her lips and is just like, "What?" Like re- realizing that Peter might be Spider Man. And I think she's always had this hunch ever since then. But this is what the coffee date really is about. And um. Oh yeah, another thing that Peter Peter's wearing his glasses again. Mm-hmm. So that's that's nice to see. But she goes, "Look, I've been doing some thinking, and um, but Peter just goes, no, I've been doing some thinking too, and I was wrong. I'm not a different person. I can't, I can't be there for you, MJ. And she's just once again disappointed because she just wants him to be honest with her." And just tell her the truth. And you can't help but just go like, Peter, you idiot. Just do it. Just trust her. Mm-hmm. Before he can say anything, because I really do believe he was going to confess that he was Spider-Man. And even though we know that he said that he doesn't love her, which we know that's a lie. But then the spider sense comes back and the and a freaking car just comes straight through. It would have destroyed them like final destination (laughs) if he didn't have that spider sense but if um if octavius wanted peter's attention he should he could just like waited for him to be done but nope he just throws a car and causes destruction which shows just how uh more morally bad he has become Mm -hmm. like like the arms are influencing him in very bad ways and giving into his uh, vanity and ego and and just corrupting him, really. But he just goes, yeah, tell Spider-Man, um, the, I forget where, but at 3 o'clock, just be there. And he takes MJ because, of course, she has to be the damsel in distress, but also leverage because he knows that Spider-Man will save her. Mm-hmm. He knows that innocence, if innocents are in danger, he will always go for them. Which we have that scene with, um, I think this is when we get the train scene? We're almost there, but also... Oh, uh, oh yeah, no, he, he gets his costume back and then he becomes Spider-Man again. Oh, and the, the yeah. it shows the acting style of J.K. Simmons so much because... He's giving this very somber, dramatic performance, kind finally admitting his flaws, and then just within one second, he's right back to being comedic Jonah again, and yeah. it totally works. Yeah, and also I love how in the slow mo scene when you see the car like dropping, I love that. I still remember the surround sound of the theater. Oh, because it was a theater that had THX sound, so it sounded fucking amazing, and. I remember also like uh, the way that from me was like, oh, Peter Parker and the girlfriend. I was like, uh, 
What do you want? Tell Spider-Man that I want to meet him at the West Side Tower, Tower at 3 o'clock. I don't know where he is. Find him or appeal the flesh of her bones. <laughs> it was like, you lay one finger on her. You will do what? And the way that he throws Peter to the to the fucking wall. And I'm like, do you really want to do the information, Dr. Octopus? <laughs> because he could be dead. <laughs> You're lucky that he was Spider-Man. And then I love that also moment that for me as an, a teenager, I was not a kid as you two. I love that moment where he's getting his powers back, that he doesn't need the glasses anymore, and the way that he gets out of the rubble. And so, so we saw Joy J. Jordan Jameson. It was like a oh, he he could have saved a, he could have saved us all. He was a hero. I just couldn't see it. He's a thief, a criminal. He, he stole, stole my, my suit. suit. He's a menace, He's a menace to, to the entire city. <laughs> I want that wall crawling around and persecuted. I want to be hung by his web. I want Spider-Man! And then we see his, his back. That moment made me always makes me cheer and fucking cry. I love that fucking moment so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, I love when he's jumping across the roof, much like the first movie. Mm-hmm. I'm back! <laughs> oh, no, yeah, we skip that. Once again... Much like the first movie, he gets really hurt because just slams his back on a car and then it um, goes face front on another car. And then, my back! <laughs> Ow, my back! <laughs> I think that was like one of the first things that Tobey Maguire did <laughs> because he was having back problems after uh, filming Seabiscuit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Nola mentioned it earlier. He was going to be replaced by Jake Gyllenhaal, but Toby requ- uh, recovered in time, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the irony of Jake Gyllenhaal later becoming a Spider-Man villain mm-hmm. is always great. But yes, then we get um, the J. Jonah Jameson scene. And before this, they established that crime was going up 75%. Mm-hmm. Just makes me think that the New York police is about as effective as the Gotham City police. They suck. <laughs> at doing their job without a hero. I mean, I know New York is a bad place, but come on, guys. You gotta do better than that. Mm -hmm. Then I believe this is when we get the... The train scene. We get a fight on the building again. Mm -hmm. And then it leads to the most iconic action piece in any Spider-Man media, the train scene. The fight on the subway train. It's so good. And one of the extras I always notice is Phil Lamar. Like he's on the he's on the right. And if you know who he is, especially as a voice actor, mm-hmm. you know he's he's very big in voice acting. Mm-hmm. And apparently one of the passengers was also the um the visual effects supervisor, John Dykstra's daughter, Chloe. Chloe Dykstra. Mm-hmm. Oh damn. Yeah. I, I didn't know that, and I'm going to try to find her, but I, I always thought that was a cool fact. Mm-hmm. But yes, we get the uh, um, we get the fight. The classic villain line, though, is just so great there. When, he, when Doc Ock rips the train thing off, it's just like, hey, you got a train to catch. That's, I, I know he's a more humanized villain, but I do love seeing him have those campy villain lines as well. Mm-hmm. 
I also love that most of the day. Huh? You got a train to catch. <laughs> and I love the way that his style and even wearing the sunglasses is fucking cool. But also love the way that he grabs people, throws them away, and then you see Spider-Man like putting some west to save the people. But also I love when he punches Spider-Man and he goes to the street and then he slides back to grab the, the, the train again from a web. And I love the nod that they did in, in Spider-Verse when we see Miles also getting also not like maybe like drag away from the train when he's grabbing a Peter the other Peter Parker from the other universe and he's carrying him but also slides back to the train it, I love that now that they did in Spider-Verse from that scene there's also a great too. scene in Spider-Man PS4 where he's fighting Mr. Negative and he does the same thing to try and stop uh-huh. a train does all the webs and then all the webs go away and he's like huh, that totally worked last time <laughs> uh, yeah um oh yeah there's some awesome moves with um with the clock mm-hmm. like the big uh, the big clock some of it is broken off one of them almost kills Otto, which i was just like what would have happened if he didn't mm-hmm. uh get out of the way in time he would have just straight up murdered doc ock <laughs> Also, the way that you see also see Spider-Man sliding through a bridge is like is really fucking cool, and that he goes back to punching Doc Ock. Yeah, we get uh, we get sp- uh, into the Spider Verse. We have this kid dressed as Spider-Man dragging a homeless person. <laughs> yes, yeah. um, he's so in the fighting whole- on the side of the train, and the Wolverine ripped this off, by the way. On, but um, um, at one point he's on the side and. Another train passes by, but Spider-Man gets out of the way just in time. But, uh, yeah, then... In the extended cut, you see Spider-Man getting hit by the other train. That's a really cool scene, too. Oh, dang. But, yes, Doc Ock disabled the brake. And then we have have the train conductor who's doing some great extra acting. He's just like, well, that didn't work. (laughs) Because he tries to stop the train first by like foot but obviously that's not working and then he tries to meet with the webs just one web at a time that's not working and then oh yeah he loses his mask by the way Mm -hmm. and thank god this was pre-cell phone days like pre-iphone days you know that would have been trending now everybody yes it would have been top trending for sure everybody would know that peter parker is Mm spider-man no yes he shoots a couple of webs and then he's stopping the train and he gives a great poop face. <laughs> no, but I also love the way that the extra, the extra is so fucking snarky. He's like, a, huh, any more bright ideas? He's like, I got a few. Yeah. <laughs> that classic New York thing. And for me, when he finally, I, I know everybody does the mean that the way that he showed his face, but for me, I love the final shot that he's like, with his eyes, and he's like, you see that he finally did it, like, say him, and he's like, in that moment, like, we see that he's about to drop, that he's tired, and I love the people, how he focused the shot, and all of the people grabbing his chest, and they carry him, and this scene always makes me cry, because the way that everybody loves Spider-Man so much, doesn't matter how J. Jonah Jameson portrays Spider-Man in this universe, and I love, I know that you can make the just the time away. It looks old for me. I don't give a fuck. I'm seeing a character. And I love that the guys, I was like, a, huh, he's just a kid. Not older than my son. 
And then like, the way that he wakes up and sees all of the people, he's like, oh, my mask. And then the kids was like, uh, oh, I you don't worry. And then the kids like, we found something. And then they give the mask. And we glad that you're back, Spider-Man. And the way that he pulls out the mask again. And then you hear the tumbling of Doc Ock. And he opens the, the train away. And he's like, uh, he's mine. If you want to go through him, you want to go through me. And me. Me too. And me too. <laughs> uh, New York is such a character in this Ram Raimi movies. And you see that mostly I with that scene. It. And with like the scene in the mm-hmm. first one with Goblin on the bridge and everything. I love how New York is as much a character. You mess with New York. You mess with, with all of us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I love the, first of all, Christ imagery. Mm-hmm. With him getting carried back with his arms wide open. <laughs> and uh the line he's no older than my kid i'm like really how old, how is, old your is your kid, kid? like <laughs> i mean to, to be fair to him he, he toby mcguire does look like a college kid mm-hmm. he does he does that really does work in his favor and it's still it doesn't undercut the moment at all it's a very good moment and mm-hmm. the danny elfman score once again it's it's so uplifting yeah, you got to go through me and me. Great extra acting from this entire scene. And then Doc Ock, okay, puts his arms in the middle. Whoosh. Everybody's on the side. And then he gets Spider-Man, who he gives up. Mm-hmm. And he was able to put his mask on at the right time. But uh, he gives up. And Doc Ock, once again, uh, once again, like in the first movie, he gets tied up or knocked out because uh, Doc Ock knocks him out. And he ties him up in barbed wire mm-hmm. to Harry. And another thing I noticed about the train scene is that I couldn't help but think about the Incredibles in the beginning of the movie when he stops the train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's when the first car is just barely over the uh, the end of the bridge. I was just like, oh, okay, Mr. Incredible also did that. No, it came out the same year. Funny enough. Mm-hmm. No, then I wanted to ask you, like, what was your reaction for you as a kid watching the train scene, the whole thing? My, my, I kind of made this face. <laughs> Can't see it, but his mouth is uh, wide open. And uh, I mean, the emotion of the scene really hit me. It just like, you know, once again, I kind of saw myself as those kids being like, "Yeah, we're not going to tell anybody." And it's just a really heartwarming moment. And I love that Sam Raimi gives the chance for the movie to slow down and really let that moment settle in. You know, he's not racing to get to the next action scene or anything. And the Danny Elfman score, everything about it works. And I feel like we haven't mentioned this before yet, but Danny Elfman's suite or theme for Doc Ock is fucking great. Like, it just... He's really good at creating villain themes, I feel. You find that later on with the Sandman as well and the symbiote. Like, well, not really because he didn't do Spider-Man 3, but it still feels like a Danny Elfman theme. Uh, That scene, honestly, looking now, I actually prefer the bank fight with Doc Ock because I feel there's there's a lot more stakes involved there because they're personal to Peter. But I love the train scene. It's an incredibly great action sequence. One of the best action sequences in any superhero movie. And like everything else in this movie, perfectly executed. Yep. And then we get 
Spider-Man delivered to Harry Osborn on a silver plate, essentially. Yes. But he doesn't, he's, Octavius is so impatient that when Harry gets the tritium out of the safe, Mm -hmm. that he's just like, get out of the way. And then he just takes it and he's like, at last. But Harry is just all eyes on Spider-Man looking at him with such hatred. Really props to James Franco, by the way. Um, Say what you will about him now, Mm -hmm. but this was, this, there's a reason why he had such a good career after these Spider-Man movies is that he's really, really good as Harry Osborn and that you can see the pain in his eyes and he's looking at this person that he feels took everything from him, even if it was a little chance of his father's love. Mm -hmm. And then he takes out the knife that's conveniently right there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess he got rid of the gun because (laughs) guns are too quick. And the knife savors the little little moments yeah because it's like i love how she you you could also kind of you could you could view the knife also as like a reference to the goblin glider Mm. oh yeah you could (laughs) yeah that's a good reference i love his immediate reaction he just drops the knife and he is so shocked he's just like peter no (laughs) but i so hurt like the person that that one of the people that he loves most in this world and cares about Mm -hmm. is the person he feels is responsible, who he thinks is responsible for his father's death. Mm -hmm. And then I love that he just breaks out of the barbed wire. Like it's nothing. Yes. Not even cut up or anything. Yeah. I love that. The way that he's also breaches Shakespearean, the way that he grasped the dragon was like, if you know all of the pain that you caused me, I just want to see. I want to see how you feel like that pain that you caused me. I want to see who's behind the mask. As I want to see the look on your eyes as you die. And the way that he grabs the mask was like, oh crap, it's Peter. I think in this moment, Harry was thinking that maybe Doc Ock did kind of like a switcheroo or something in that moment. But then technically Peter tells him right away. I was like, we need to save MJ. Like, um, where is she? I was like, Peter... Did you kill my father? It was like, a, there's bigger things in life, Harry, than me and you. And I love that moment. He's like, a, we cannot do this right now. We, I have to save people. And I love that Harry tells him to go save the people instead of like having that argument or having a fight. I, th- I think at that moment, Harry's realized he screwed up majorly. Because, I mean, he didn't know about Mary mm-hmm. Jane being kidnapped. He probably would have reacted very differently if he knew Doc Ock was going to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then he he tells him, he's just like, all he wanted was the tritium. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. but uh, Or tritium. Mm-hmm. I've been saying tritium. That's my bad. But he... He says that um, I think he said something about going near the near the river, mm-hmm. and so Peter's able to figure out that there's an abandoned place in the in the river, mm-hmm. and he's building the giant uh, fusion experiment once again. And Mary Jane's just like, "Hey, hey, I'm talking to you." <laughs> And he's just like, shut up. <laughs> he's just completely ignoring her. She's like, you got the teeth for your little science project. Let me go. I was like, I'm not going to let you go. You will call the police. At least they cannot do anything now that Spider-Man is dead. It's like, a, that's not true. Believe it. <laughs> yeah. Alfred Molina has a very good, like, sharp sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Like this, this sort of dark humor that really works. 
for a Spider-Man villain. And yeah, we see Peter. He's crawling in the back. But once again, um, like during the first experiment, the arms and the reflection in his goggles make him notice that he knows he's there. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, oh, I'm going to free you. Or he's like, guess who? And he's going to free Mary Jane, who is ridiculously chained up. Like She's got like three feet of chains around her. But uh, Doc Ock, once again, the arms grab him. And he's like, I knew Osborne didn't have the guts to do it. And then we get another good fight. Mm-hmm. And at this point, the fusion, the, the tritium, it's much bigger this time. So it's essentially just putting your hand on a hot stove, mm-hmm. expecting a different result. Yeah. I mean, if the first machine was a hot stove, this one's like a pizza oven. Yep. Impressively, the Mary Jane's feet were not cooked when she was almost almost touching it. <laughs> Yeah, because once again, it's taking all the metal and stuff. And Peter actually, now that he has a control of his powers, he beats down uh, Dr. Octavius um, into this lower level and is trying to get him back to his senses. And in order to do that, he actually reveals his secret identity. He mm-hmm. he unmasks and is just like, Dr. Octavius, we got to shut this down. And he smiles and just goes, Parker. Brilliant but lazy. <laughs> like fondly. And he is just like, we can't stop it, even if I wanted to. And he goes, Sometimes you once spoke to me about intelligence, how it wasn't how it was a gift, a privilege. And that in order to do the right thing, sometimes we have to give up what we want most, even our dreams. And it mm-hmm. makes him snap out of it. Mm-hmm. And he takes control of the arms. He's like, listen to me. Like defiantly mm-hmm. taking control of, once again, his life. No longer letting his pride run whatever this, whatever life he has left. Uh, I, I should comment on this because I feel a lot of people get misconstrued as to what the tentacles are. I think it's too mm-hmm. easy to look at it as in, oh, the tentacles are just controlling him and it's like goleming and everything. I feel like since that inhibitor chip is connected to Otto's mind, when it broke, it essentially fractured his mental state, and now it's basically his pride is sort of controlling the arms subconsciously, and it's more about rescuing Otto from his prideful demons rather than defeating him. And then when you know he realizes it and takes control again, that's kind of like him taking a step back and realizing, oh shit, what have I done? You know, it's less of mm-hmm. let's defeat the bad guy and more like let's help the bad guy remember who he was. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the electric shock also helped him because he tried once again just pulling the plug, mm-hmm. but that didn't work because it's much bigger now. Mm-hmm. But then Otto is like, the river, we can drown it. And then Peter was going to do that, sacrifice himself, but he goes, no, mm-hmm. I'll do it. And there was a line earlier when he was at the warehouse for the first time, he said, these arms belong at the bottom of the river mm-hmm. and so do i so it's a good coming back around yeah. I, I love that that he is going to sacrifice his life and do something good and he even says i will not die a monster mm-hmm. those are his last lines before he collapses the whole uh fusion 
been under the river and it drowns him. Before that, we see that Mary Jane finally knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And <laughs> she's she's going to be crushed by the part of the building, like a giant-ass part of the building, but Peter, of course, stops it. Mm-hmm. He's just like, just in case we die, I want you to know that I, I love you. Or, or she's just like, you do love me. Even if you Yeah. Didn't. This is very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we get awesome screaming by Alfred Molina. And he goes, sinks to the bottom of the river. It, he dies. Mm-hmm. He dies a good man. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so tragic, his death, really. Oh, it's so tragic, really, what happens to him. And that's why I said in my video why Mm -hmm. that's why i titled it perfecting the sympathetic antagonist because i feel it's kind of wrong to call doc ock a villain at this in this movie and i mean just from that scene alone sam raimi took this character who was sort of a jokey character in the comics gave him this great performance and alfred molina just nails it and i think it's the reason why doc ock has become so popular now like you get another version of this in the Spider-Man PS4 game with Doc Ock, where it's kind of drawing from the similar sympathetic roots of Melina, but it does it in a completely different direction. And, you know, mm-hmm. based on what we've heard about the upcoming Spider-Man 3 film, I've heard a rumor about this, I hope it doesn't happen, but someone said, oh, what if that son was really a wormhole that took him to the MCU? I really don't want that to happen. Just make Alfred Melina no. a new version of Doc Ock. No. I heard from that he's going to be Senator Robert Kelly. No, I mean, you don't get him in a Spider-Man movie and make him a different character. I don't know. I mean, I if he is Doc Ock again, I'll be fine with it. But it'll just really negate the impact that he had here. That's just me personally. Mm-hmm. If, if they can make it work, then I'm great because Alfred Molina is fantastic and what you said about um doc ock's backstory to me it feels very much like mr freeze where they took this nothing character and they made it a something funny enough alfred molina would voice mr freeze in the harley quinn uh show he would make a great live action mr freeze as well if you wanted to do like a proper sympathetic freeze yeah he would oh man i wish they did that instead of schwarzenegger as much as i love schwarzenegger he was totally miscast in that movie there's another actor mm-hmm. who uh was going to be a spider-man villain who i think would make a good mr freeze and that was john malkovich Ooh, Ooh. it's a very unconventional choice and i i kind of like that though he- yes then we get the final scene in the movie we're here much like or actually, no, we got two scenes because we got to set up the sequel. Mm-hmm. And I'll let Raul take this one. Oh, this is your telenovela shit. Yeah. Oh, Raul, go for it. Okay. You can do it. Also, just to say uh, a little dramatic scene before the telenovela scene, but you see a really great shot of a big web, and you see Mary Jane in one corner, and then we see Peter in another. And that's also Peter saying, so like, now you know why we can never be together. As we see Mary Jane crying and he's pulling her uh, back to 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 the ground. As we see Jay the Jay Jonah Jameson's son rescuing her. And I love that shot as you see Peter 
with his broken suit looking her from afar. And then this is the setup for the sequel. We see Harry with a dagger and he he's hearing some he's hearing the green goblin laughter. And he's like, son. And then he turns around like a and then he sees uh he sees Norman uh, at the mirror. I was like, I'm here. And he's like, How? I live in you, Harry. <laughs> and like, I live in your son. But now you know the truth about Peter. And I was like, but I can't, he's my friend. Oh, you're always being weak. You now you know the truth, and he has to pay. You promise me that Swarman has to pay. Avenge me, Harry. No. Avenge me! No! And he breaks the he breaks the mirror. And he's walking into the mirror. I love this shot too, like the way that he enters the mirror and he's kind of like entering a nightmare. He's entering the his father's secret that he's seeing all of the bombs, the glider and the mask. And you just see him alone with grabbing one of the, the poisons on, on one of his hands. And I'm like, I still remember and my hair is like pulling up because uh, it gives me shivers because I, that was, I was like, oh my God, he's going to be the villain in the next one. And then we see Mary Jane getting ready as we and her and her on her wedding dress. And then we hear like dun 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 dun. And we see one of her friends from the play running towards Judge J. Jonah Jameson's son. And so as he sees the 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 note that he that she ran off. And I love J. Jonah Jameson. Um call call Deborah the carer. Yes. Tell her to call on the KBR. <laughs> That's just, <laughs> a, a perfect callback to what he was saying earlier about the catering for the wedding. Like, caviar? What are we inviting the czar? Get some cheese and crackers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> caviar is a very that, overrated food, I must say. It, it tastes it's very tastes overpriced. Like, it tastes like crap. <laughs> it tastes horrible. Ta- get mm-hmm. like some, sh- get the shit they put in bubble tea and just put a bunch of salt on it. You've got caviar. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. And then as we see uh, Mary Jane running through the park, and I think I heard this, that there's an actor that is looking her as she's running. Technically, this actor is kind of like a lookalike of the first Punisher in the movies. That it was going to be kind of like a tie-in, but it never happened. That's a thing that. that I heard one on YouTube. And so, and then we see Mary Jane getting into Peter's apartment. And she's like, I can't survive without you. And Peter's like, you shouldn't be here. I know you think we cannot be together. But can you respect me enough to make my own decision? I know there will be risk. But I want to face them with you. Is it wrong that we should only live a half a life on behalf of ourselves? And Peter says, I love you. So I'm standing, you know, MJ says, I love you. So I'm standing here in your doorway. I'm always going to be standing in your doorway. And isn't it time for somebody to save your life? And Peter just says, thank you, Mary Jane Watson. And they kiss. And you hear, like, the cops and the radio on the background. And she's like, go get him, Tiger. <laughs> Woo! Can, can I just take a moment there to commend Raoul's acting as he reads those lines? 
And also like, almost crying because I fucking love that. I fucking love that scene. One one voice. Avenge me! Well, as a voice actor, you should give voice acting a try. Oh, you, yeah, it's fun. You think? I'm pretty sure I have convinced Billy many times, but also thank you for the compliment. Uh, so, so we see Spider-Man just going along. He's finally happy. He has his balance. He has his his girl. He got everything that he wanted. But this is a thing. Even though I love Spider-Man 3, we all lost his faults. I think that the last shot of the movie, as we see Mary Jane kind of like sad, seeing him uh, going away, and then you see kind of, you can hear kind of like a bell at the end of the music. The last time we see her shot, I think for me, when I was a kid, I think that shot represented that it was foreshadowing that May Mary Jane was going to die because of her decision to be with Peter. I, I don't I know what you that guys could think. have happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Could have happened. You know, I mean, when it comes to bell towers and Spider-Man movies, <laughs> that's never a good sign. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, it's not a very snappy decision for certain lady loves of Spider-Man to make. I mean, it's just a oh. really that final scene is just so sincere and like straight wears its heart on its sleeve everything it doesn't care about being seen as cheesy and it's all the better for it it's like i tear up when she says go get him tiger like it's just such a perfect ending for me yes i also tear up as well yes and that after almost two hours one of our longest episodes (laughs) to date which i am so proud that we were able to talk this long with you nolan but we have discussed the behemoth that is Spider-Man 2. And it's pretty clear what we're all going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. For me, 10 out of 10, masterpiece, the best Spider-Man, one of the best pieces of Spider-Man media mm-hmm. ever. It really does live up to the hype, and it ages like a fine wine, knowing um, the story beats, the acting the music the dialogue everything about this movie works and i wish more superhero movies were like what you said were sincere Mm -hmm. it's very sincere in its intentions and knowing this came from a horror director will never not (laughs) surprise me in the best possible way and i'm so happy that sam raimi is doing the second doctor strange because if he does uh doctor strange like he did spider-man 2 that would be incredible. That that would be my favorite MCU movie if he did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love Sam Raimi superhero movies, and I this is a big reason why I got into Spider Man, and it's a reason why a lot of people got into Spider Man. Mm-hmm. These are very very important movies. Well, at least to me personally, I know for you two, it's the same. And yeah, um. Do you have any final thoughts before we do our plugs and finally end this episode? You know, Lynn it's, first. it's a perfect movie. I think it's a great lesson for how to write a blockbuster film. It wears its heart on its sleeve. The action scenes are great. It cares about its characters. It creates a really empathetic villain. It essentially, I, I've never talked about this on a podcast before. So you guys are the first. This is probably the movie that made me want to be a writer. 
because it's just it does everything in a story that I love and does it perfectly and it's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that I try to do with my own stories like when I'm uh, when I'm writing like Moonflower or anything or trying to plan out a sequel I always watch this movie because I'm looking at okay what's this movie doing and how can I sort of apply mm-hmm. those lessons to my own style and it's a great teaching mm-hmm. for that it's one of the best superheroes movies ever made and I just think it's perfect. I say it every time I watch it. Spider-Man 2 is a perfect movie. And for me, for me, it's a perfect movie. I have seen Spider-Man 2 maybe like 40 times in my lifetime. For me, it's still my favorite comic book movie of all time. It's a fucking 11. I fucking love this movie a lot. That's the thing that I'm going to say. That's why for me, like Nolan said for me, this is what I expect from a comic book movie. I expect drama. I expect action. I expect great characters. I expect everything. And that's the thing that I love. And that's the thing that it makes me... That's why sometimes I get a little picky with some superhero movies now. Because it doesn't have that thing. Maybe it made me sound a little nostalgic. But that's the thing that I want from stories. I want to feel... My favorite movies of all time is that I always I like them to have for me to go through all of all of the emotions. I want to feel horror. I want to feel laughter. I want to feel action. I want to feel drama. But it did it in a great way because there's movies that they can do all of those things and they're not mixed well. So it depends on how the perfect blend. Yeah, and I definitely That's think the modern man. day Spider-Man films can take a lot of lessons from this movie. Spider-Man movies should never just be one thing. They should never just be a teen comedy or a coming-of-age movie mm-hmm. or whatever. This movie is like so much many genres, and it blends them perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's ambitious as hell. All right, and with that, I uh, <laughs> we wrapped up another episode. So you can follow me on Twitter at bbusterbill. I might change it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm th- I'm playing around with a certain name. But um, until then, you can follow me at BeeBusterBill. All the Bs are capitalized. You can follow me on Instagram at BillyBatsonsLightning. And, um, yeah, you can follow our show podcast at SYNSPod. Give us a five-star review, except if you're that one guy that gave us a one-star for some reason <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, it, it was me. Anchor. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I will happily give you guys a five-star. What about you, Nolan? You got any upcoming <laughs> projects that you want to plug as well? Uh, you can find me at NolanDean27 on Twitter, at NolanDeanWriter on Instagram. I just posted some new voice acting stuff on my channel yesterday mm-hmm. because I was very inspired by a certain scene in the Snyder Cut, and I thought, what if I did that but in five different Joker voices? <laughs> and nice. I, I don't think I quite nailed all of them, but uh, my Mark Hamill I know I nailed, my own version I nailed, and Weirdly enough, the Jared Leto voice, I think I did all right at. But I'm going to be doing more of those. Uh, I'm thinking of doing one for all of the original Ben 10 aliens. Because that that show itself is like a voice actor's playground. Raul, if you haven't Mm. seen it, I highly recommend you watch the original Ben 10 show. It's got everything you would love in a superhero story. And also, uh, as always, I'm working on, uh, keep working on my book, Moonflower. Uh, Recently, I've spoke about this on the internet because I'm finally confident enough to say it. I'm making my main character in Moonflower autistic because I am. 
I like I was afraid to do it before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with everything that was going on in writing communities with like autistic writers and people who are neurodivergent being ignored in these systems, I want to just write a really great story featuring an autistic character and finally being open about something that I was kind of mm-hmm. raised to be ashamed of. And if you're not autistic, if you're not, I encourage you, please read about it. Do not believe the stupid stereotypes that you hear on the media and in the Big Bang Theory. And I'm I'm going to be focusing on that for now. And as always, It's a Wonderful Podcast is still happening. I've auditioned for a couple of Spider-Man projects for voice acting wise. If I also, Raul, another recommendation, you, you should check out the MTV Spider-Man show because it's sort of set in the Raimi continuity and it's kind of dark and edgy. Ooh. A couple of fans Ooh, are making a season two out. and I have auditioned for it for a certain character who is very mysterious. That's all I will say. Nice. <laughs> and as always, also thank you, Nolan, for coming. Uh, I always bring up like a, for if it wasn't for Nolan when I met him six years ago, I would have never got the strength to do uh, something on video or doing a podcast or doing movie files or going through different cons and everything. A lot of things I think to Nolan. So I'm finally happy that Nolan is here on, on the podcast. Yeah, I concur. Uh, um, Nolan is very important in both of our mm-hmm. uh, content creating, like way before our content creating days. We've known him for years and mm-hmm. is a big help, just like super smart. And we both immediately, the, we wanted him on since the beginning. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's really satisfying to be able to do this. I will come back on this show anytime you want. I love you guys. Thank you so much, Nolan. As always, see you next summer. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>